0: Hi, everyone. Our guest today is Dr. Janina Scarlett. Her book, Therapy Quest, will be available in the U.S. on May 7th. It's published by Little Brown, and it's a wonderful book that talks about superhero therapy. We're going to get into what exactly that is on the show. And just so you have a little backstory, she became a psychologist, and that road has its own superhero origin story behind it. She suffered radiation poisoning in the fallout from Chernobyl and had to move to America as a child refugee to escape persecution for her family's Jewish heritage in the Ukraine. She was left with PTSD and chronic pain. But she learned to see herself as a survivor instead of a victim after being introduced to stories like The X-Men. She's written numerous books and now she's going to come on our show and talk about her journey. I'm not the house of cards that falls down easily. I'm strong enough to handle what you throw at me. Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sunanta Walker. Just what are we going to discuss? The intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years and we have amazing co-hosts. And then we created a network of podcasters on mental health News radio network.com, a place where every possible facet of mental well-being can be talked about openly. My show after several hundred interviews the format is this intimate deep funny touching sometimes uncomfortable but always vulnerable conversations with interesting people the goal is to have you our listening family many of you who have become my good friends feel as though you are listening in on private conversations thank you for tuning in and becoming part of this amazing journey with me and now with our network of podcasters, just knowing this podcast might be helping any of you realize you are not alone on this journey called being a human being makes doing this podcast worth every second. After all, we promised we'd be Dr. Janina Scarlett, thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be here. Thank you. Absolutely. So where are you right now in
0: the world? Right
1: now I am in sunny San Diego in California.
0: Okay, okay, you're in San Diego. Gotcha. I was trying to figure out where is she? Time zones, what is where all, you know, we have people that are coming on from different countries too, so uh, checking time zones is a challenge, but California, that's where I grew up. That is not a challenge to figure out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep, good old Pacific.
0: Exactly. So our listeners heard a little bit about you. So why don't we start with your experience as why you had to leave the Ukraine? The Ukraine so young, and what you survived to get over here?
1: Sure. Um, so this Friday, April twenty sixth, marks the thirty third anniversary of the Chernobyl nuclear disaster. Mm-hmm. I was just a few months shy of my third birthday when it occurred, and when it first happened, um, we weren't told about the extent of the explosion, about the um, how, how toxic the environment was. Our government um, hid that information from us. So for almost two weeks, we continued going outside and breathing the air and eating the fruit and drinking the water. Mm. And unfortunately, all of it was poisoned. So not only was there the environmental toxins, but um, because we didn't know the extent of the spill, Uh, We were continuously exposed to it, and a couple of weeks later, the truth finally broke out and we were ordered to receive immediate iodine treatments, Um, and so what that meant was that some people uh, fell extremely ill. Some people actually died. Some people uh, went through severe growth abnormalities or cancers. Mm -hmm. Um, Some people have had it worse than others. I think I've probably been luckier than a lot of the individuals there. What that meant for me was spending many months in the hospital, even the simple cold, you know, my immune system couldn't fight it. So it would spend a long time in the hospital and certain side effects from my illness persist to this day. So for example, whenever the weather changes I might go through severe migraines and sometimes seizures. Mm. And uh, in addition to that, after the former Soviet union split up, There was a lot of violence going on in Ukraine, which became very unsafe for my family and I. We were targeted, so we were able to receive refugee status to come to the United States. So we finally moved here when I was 12 years old to escape the persecution that we were going through.
0: What movie was it that, um, you know, the first superhero movie that you watched where you went, I can totally identify with that? (laughs)
1: It was the X Men. So I was 16 when I saw the first X Men movie, and it changed my life because mm-hmm. I was able to relate to the characters on the screen because each and every one of them was a mutant of some kind. Some of them, like Logan, you know, Wolverine, mm-hmm. um, had also been exposed to radiation. And one of them, in particular, Storm. Um, Had this unique connection with the weather, and I have a connection with the weather, so I immediately related to her. And it was after seeing that movie that I realized that I wasn't a victim; I was a survivor.
0: Oh, that's phenomenal! That's phenomenal to have that happen at sixteen, still in your teens, too. Yes, yes. So after watching that, um, you know, you, you obviously you felt more connected here. In the United States. But what was it like, you know, when you first got here and you were still dealing with being ill and being in a completely new country? How did, how long did it take before things like PTSD and trauma started to really crop up? Because, you know, once you, you know, you can live for a while still in that state of, uh, and then you relax into something and all of a sudden, oh boy, a host of issues crop up. Yeah, it
1: was, it was a couple of months, you know, initially there was this sigh of relief because we were away from, um, from a lot of the persecution and, um, we were reunited with some of our other family members here in the United States. But, um, after a couple of months, um, things, uh, started not going so well. I was in seventh grade and, um, a seventh grader who doesn't speak English and, you know, maybe doesn't know the culture and comes from a radioactive country, I made a very easy target. Mm. So I experienced frequent bullying and rejection and alienation, kids purposely alienating me or making fun of me. Not everyone, of course, but some kids. Um, and um, I was called a freak. People would ask me if I glow in the dark, if I'm dangerous, if I'm radioactive. Oh, my gosh. It, it, so it was really challenging, and that year was certainly the most difficult year of my life.
0: Absolutely. What kind of medical care were you able to have access to here for what you had dealt with in, in Ukraine?
1: Um, you know, it, it. I mean, to be honest, it wasn't that different. Um, mm-hmm. It was just that being away from that environment uh, allowed my immune system to strengthen, and I imagine the older I got, also. Uh, made it easier for my immune system to strengthen. But uh, I think a lot of uh, a lot of medical doctors that were born and raised in the United States don't necessarily know the way that uh, such an intense radiation exposure can affect somebody. So I've often had to explain to doctors what my body goes through. And I think some doctors have been really wonderful about it. And I've had a couple of doctors who didn't even believe me because they they never met anyone who had survived Chernobyl radiation. So they didn't realize that this could be a lifelong illness.
0: How old were you when you started or when you were able to start talking about what you had been through?
1: When I was able to start talking about Chernobyl and about what I went through, Mm -hmm. um, I think I was 31.
0: Okay. Okay. That's a long period of time from the time you're 12 to 31 Yes, yes. So what, and I know obviously you went to school in that time, was it because you were in school and getting therapy and just dealing with it so you just weren't ready until you were 31?
1: Um, I think that for a long time it was something that I was still so close to and still so affected by, it didn't feel safe. Mm-hmm. Um, and over time, between therapy and then also um, taking some creative writing classes, it allowed me to express myself through writing and through connection with um, certain fictional characters. So it made it easier for me to share my own story. And I realized that sharing my story helped others to share their story.
0: Right. So I can see why you chose the profession you did. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you.
0: Let's talk about superhero therapy, because as I said before we, um, before we started to do the interview, I've been thinking about this since I read about you. That is awesome. So many people can relate to that, especially in Western culture where movies are such a, a big deal, especially those movies. So what, how old were you when you started coming up with the idea of superhero therapy? And ex- tell our listeners what that actually is.
1: Sure, well, after seeing the first X-Men movie, I realized that stories can be really effective. So I don't know if I had the full idea of integrating the two, but I just knew that I wanted to learn more about both fiction and psychology together. So I took my first ever psychology class Um, A few months after that movie came out in high school and fell in love with psychology and then continued studying it throughout college and graduate program. And then it was in my postdoctoral training that I was working with active duty service members with Marines primarily with PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. And I realized that a lot of them had a really difficult time sharing their experiences of their combat trauma but they were willing to talk about superheroes. So they'd be willing to talk about what Batman went through. They'd be willing to talk about the Avengers. They'd be willing to talk about Superman. And a lot of times these Marines tended to admire the superheroes while shaming themselves for experiencing some kind of a trauma. Mm. So in a session, we were able to draw parallels to show that even Superman has a vulnerability. And it's not despite our vulnerabilities, it's because of them uh, that we tend to really like those superheroes. We tend to uh, love Batman because of what he was able to overcome. And so we were able to see that our traumatic story is just the origin story. It's the beginning of our heroic quest. And the rest is really up to us. We can make meaning of what happened to us and use it to become a stronger, more resilient person to help other people. This is called post-traumatic growth. This is um, a process of making meaning of somebody's traumatic experience, uh, which allows them to understand how they might be able to grow from it. And I use it to help people become their own version of a superhero in real life.
0: Phenomenal. (laughs) Do you also work with children or is it mostly adults?
1: Thank you so much. So um, I primarily work with adults and teens. I do see some children, but at this point, I'm I'm providing trainings for psychologists worldwide um, to help them incorporate these kind of uh, therapies for people of all ages, for people with different kinds of mental health difficulties and disorders. So a lot of the providers I train do work with children. So their area of expertise might be working with kids, and then I might provide a, a mentorship and consultation and training in how to incorporate superhero therapy into their own therapy modality.
0: Wonderful. Well, everyone's watching right now Game of Thrones. It's yes. The last <laughs> <laughs> it's the last season. So I saw on your page Game of Thrones psychology. So that, that seems, that's, that's a lot. So <laughs> let's take a deep dive into exactly what sure, that is.
1: Sure, sure, my goodness. I mean, what a rich and powerful show and of course the book series. Um, and I think that one of the reasons a lot of us are really drawn to it is that it's, it's really rich, it's full of these incredible characters and just about every single character you can think of has overcome something really traumatic, right? So uh, The Hound, for example, had experienced severe trauma as a child when his brother pushed his face onto a fire, and to this day he still uh, he still has trauma reactions. Um, in in one of the early seasons, he actually had to abandon his post at King's Landing uh, because of his trauma trigger. And then, of course, powerful and incredible characters like Daenerys and Sansa and Arya have all been through a lot of traumatic experiences and it it is arguably because of these traumatic experiences that they were able to become the strong and powerful women, you know, characters that they are now. We saw Sansa, for example, go from someone who is functioning purely from a survivor, survivor mode Uh, when she was at King's Landing, when she was um, trying to keep herself safe from Joffrey and and his guards, to now essentially ruling the North and partnering up, hopefully partnering up with Daenerys um, and um, and being this incredible and powerful ruler um, and seeing Daenerys uh, going from uh, a meek and shy and terrified child to a queen that she is. And so we're seeing post-traumatic growth in just about all the surviving characters at this point. And I think it's really exciting to watch.
0: It is exciting to watch. And spoiler alert for any of you who have not finished watching or are not cur- current on the episodes, but um, okay, that's phenomenal. We have so many psychologists that um, will break it down and talk about well the narcissism or the this or the that going through that entire saga. It's been fascinating fascinating to read. You know how everyone puts those things together and uses that in their own practices.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's wonderful to be able to relate to our characters in this way because it's almost like we become a part of that universe.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So one last one, because um, you've, you've you know, been a part of numerous pop culture psychology books, um, like Star Wars psychology, Wonder Woman psychology. Um, let's talk a little bit about Star Wars psychology. That's for my son. He's 29, and I've infected him with the Star Wars um, fandom gene. So (laughs) he asked me specifically to ask you about that.
1: (laughs) Sure, sure. What would you like to know?
0: Well, just um, how do you see that, you know, their psychology, just as you went into detail about, you know, Game of Thrones. Give us a little (laughs) bit into the whole Star Wars universe.
1: Yeah, I think that... Uh, multiple people might have similar traumatic origin stories. If you look at someone like Luke and someone like Anakin, they both lost people that raised them, right? Anakin lost his mother and Luke lost his aunt and uncle. And both of them were devastated by these losses. Um, But um, I think it's not the origin stories that shape us, it's the choices that we make going forward. That will uh, that will essentially shape the rest of our Jedi quest. And so for Luke, it was to connect with the light side, and to um, to be able to protect the people that he cared about or the people that he's met. For Anakin. Um, unfortunately, he didn't have um, as much of a support system as Luke did, and he, um, you know, I think sometimes when we don't experience as much of love and affection, and um, from the people that are in our primary support group, we're likely to fall into the wrong crowd, whether it's you know the emperor or uh, some other person like that, uh, because we might be looking for connection from other people. I think that what's most striking to me about Star Wars is its connection with real life, because like a Jedi, we too can practice connecting with the Force. So like a Jedi, we can practice mindfulness. Like a Jedi, we can feel our connection with the universe, for example, by focusing on the way that our breathing feels, by focusing on the way that we're able to notice the sounds and the smells in our environment. And like a Jedi, we also can stand for the light side and we can also uh, remember our core values, remember that we are a knight, that we're somebody that stands for something that is just and beautiful. And so although the Star Wars universe is fictional, I think it draws on a lot of real life parallels, which is, I think, why it's so powerful for a lot of us fans.
0: Absolutely. And I have to throw this out there to one of our podcasters who also edits my show. He's cringing at the moment that he's going to hear this. He'll be cringing right now at what I might say. Uh, We call him Joda because he's so wise.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's a beautiful title. Joda. I love that. His
0: name is Joe. I figured. (laughs) Oh, Phenomenal. So you received a pretty high honor Can you tell our listeners about what that
1: experience was like? Sure. This was a complete shock and and a surprise, a very pleasant surprise. Um, In October of last year, I received the Eleanor Roosevelt Human Rights Award from the United Nations Association for innovative use of superhero therapy in advancing the mental health field. This was um, certainly a big surprise, and I'm extremely, extremely honored to have received this award. Um, I I, I took my own kind of pledge to better this field and to help trauma survivors. And if any of my work is helpful for individuals who've been through trauma, then, then at the end of the day, I know I've done my job.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, last question for you. As you're working with adults and, um, you know, many adults are bullied as well. It can Mm -hmm. happen when you're a kid. It can happen when you're an adult. How do you work with adults that are living with an experience where they're currently being bullied?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, So this is not something that I'd be able to answer, of course, in the short time of our show, but Mm -hmm. essentially it would be to allow them to tell their origin story you know in terms of being bullied for example um, and allow them to connect with some kind of a heroic role model whether it's a real-life mentor that they have looked up to like a grandparent a teacher maybe a historical figure like Mother Teresa for instance um, or perhaps a fictional character um, someone like Batman or Wonder Woman and then throughout the course of therapy, we will learn to ask that heroic figure for guidance, for support, Um, and then over time, that individual, my client would then learn how to take active steps in their own life that would resemble that of a superhero action step. So what would a superhero do if they were being bullied? Would they ask for help? Would they look for other people who are being bullied and maybe start a support group? would they maybe take action to stop the bully and make it known um, that this person is a bully so that that individual is not able to bully other people? So a lot of times creating courageous superhero steps like that can allow that individual to feel more empowered in their specific path, as well as to receive a lot of the support that they didn't even know they had.
0: Phenomenal and then be empowered and as you stated earlier go from being a victim to being a survivor.
1: Exactly, that's the goal.
0: So tell our listeners where they can find out more about you.
1: Of course. So my website is superhero-therapy.com and you can also find me on Twitter at shadowquill.
0: Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor.
0: <laughs> Thank you listeners for tuning in to another episode of mental health news radio on the mental health news radio network. I know, I know no one likes commercials, but seriously, folks, without the help from these organizations, we could not stay on the air. Please give a shout out to ZenCharts.com. If you're a mental health or addiction treatment center, you'll want to use their EHR. It's gorgeous. And they're just good people. And also MyGenetics, M-Y-G-E-N-E-T-X because knowing your genetic code empowers your mental health treatment. And lastly, copenotes.com. We love getting positive messages right to our phones every day from Johnny Crowder. He's the lead singer of Prison, a heavy metal band sharing their music about suicide prevention, addiction recovery, and mental health.
1: But never without good intentions, I
0: heat up and act on my emotions. Thanks so much for listening to Mental Health News Radio. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and hundreds of other podcast apps. Or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com. If you have a question or would like to be a guest, become a podcaster on our network, or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air, please email us at info at MHNR network.com get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog miles and a special thanks to emily Sone for letting us use her incredible song cordial for our podcast music listen to the full song on soundcloud at emily.sonne
1: don't be surprised when i don't hate on you girl. after all we promised we'd be cordial sometimes in you i can't fight it. Good boy.